say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to today's broadcast. Hope you're having a fantastic day, whoever you are and wherever you may be, with all the usual caveats. Uh, of course, today there is uh, a lot to talk about outside of the norm, but uh, we'll get to the bombings in New York and the knife attack in uh, Minneapolis a little bit later in the second hour. Uh, we were scheduled to have uh, folks on with us today. Uh, and we're going to go ahead and we're going to have uh, those uh, guests on as scheduled, and we will get to the more breaking topics a little bit later. Uh, first, right off the top of the show, uh, we're going to be joined by Mr. Tom Harris. He's the executive director of the International Climate Science Coalition, and uh, he's joining us right now live. Uh, first of all, Mr. Harris, uh, thank you very much for being here today, and welcome to the show. Yeah, hi, Tim. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? Oh, pretty good. It's uh, about 70 degrees here, which is kind of an extended summer for us in Ottawa. So uh, we're not too afraid of global warming. I think, you know, if anything, it's going to be cooler as the years go by, according to some scientists, and that's really a concern for us. Right. All right. Well, now, naturally, uh, man-caused climate change has been a major hot-button issue for the folks on the left for a little while now. Of course, used to just be global warming, and now that there doesn't really seem to be any warming taking place at the moment, of course, all these things happen in cycles, uh, it's still a political hot-button issue. Uh, first of all, tell the listeners a little bit about your organization, and then we'll kind of go back to the political side of things. Yeah, sure. We were formed in 2007 by the New Zealand Climate Science Coalition. They had received such international interest in their nonpartisan approach. They have people from the left and the right and many people who are nonpartisan in their scientific board. Uh, they wanted an international group to represent them at international conferences. So they formed the International Climate Science Coalition in 2007. And in 2008, they brought me on as the executive director. And I've been here ever since. We have about 25 uh, experts in climate, 
as our advisors. Many of them are university professors. And as I say, a lot of them are nonpartisan. They're not left or right. So what we're trying to do is promote a serious and sensible debate about the causes of climate change and, and what sort of national policy we should have, if any, uh, for mitigation of climate change. All right. Uh, you say you've got this nonpartisan approach, which to me, science should always be nonpartisan. We know that hasn't necessarily been the case. Uh, you do have some folks that are kind of gravitated towards where the money is. If you can get a grant for doing this kind of research, but you're concerned about uh, if the grant money will dry up, if you don't get the data to fit the desired results. Have you encountered much of that while you've been in your current position? Oh, yes. And even worse. I mean, some of our scientists have had death threats, if you can imagine that. One of them was a fellow from India, for example, and he was an editor of a journal in which he published a couple of papers which said that North Atlantic sea level was not rising anything other than, than usual. And he got death threats. And so he actually withdrew from our group for a couple of years. Nothing else happened. So he came back. Well, the death threats came back again. And so now he's permanently withdrawn. And this is very sad because this kind of suppression means that in many cases, some of the world's leading experts will not even comment on climate change. You know, here in Ottawa, for example, we have a fellow by the name of Jan Weiser, who's from Germany originally, and he's so good, the German government gave him a million dollars just outright for his research. They just said, you know, do what you want with it. So he collected fossils. He used graduate students to go all over the world, and they collected fossils, which were about a half a billion years old, and he can analyze it to see what the temperatures were like over over that half billion years. And yet he won't speak out about his research because the whole debate has become so hostile and so aggressive and so nasty that, that really they're suppressing, as I say, some of the world's leaders in this field from speaking out. And that's, that's a real tragedy. Well, I would agree. I mean, the ultimate purpose of science is to inform uh, much the same way it is for the ultimate purpose of journalism in the United States and in any Western civilization, for that matter, is to inform and act as a watchdog. Uh, yeah. one, one of the oh, weird things, Tim, is that, is that traditionally the left have been the skeptics. And that traditionally the right were the people who wanted to maintain the status quo. I mean, if you think back to Einstein, for example, who is certainly left-wing, he was a, a real skeptic. And, you know, the ones who were opposed to him were the anti-relativity crowd in Germany. They would go around from city to city after Einstein gave presentations, uh, debunking what they called Jewish science. And they were people on the right. But in the climate issue, it's completely turned upside down. Skepticism, which is normal and a good thing for scientists, of course, is considered a right-wing Republican approach. It's ridiculous. Of course we're skeptical, and that's how science advances. Otherwise, we'd still think the Earth was the center of the universe. So, indeed, this is being turned upside down. The idea that progressives are against skepticism, really, it doesn't make any sense. Right. I mean, you, you have to kind of look at it from the outside, and it seems as if they're just more interested in pushing a anti-capitalism agenda more than anything else uh, from from my viewpoint. Uh, now, from your viewpoint, I don't know if it seems the same or not, uh, but well, I know your... 
Yeah, I think that what's going on is that the the basic data does not support the climate scare, okay? There's been virtually no warming in the last 19 years, even though there's um, about a 10% rise in carbon dioxide, mainly because of emissions from China, of course, who are expanding very, very quickly. And a lot of the basic data, for example, if you go to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration website, noaa.gov, you can see when the extreme weather records were set for every single state in the Union. Okay, and what you see is that the extreme weather records for states were set mostly in the 1930s. Last year, 2015, there was not a single extreme weather record set on a statewide basis in any state in the Union. Okay, now if you did a a statistical analysis over the roughly 135 years, which the record uh, entails, because it goes back to the late 1800s, you would expect to see three records set on average every year if there was no increase increase or decrease in extreme weather. You might find the biggest hailstones in Kansas or, you know, the hottest temperature in New York. You know, you'd see three records on average if there was no increase or decrease in in, uh, extreme weather on average. And yet, as I say, last year there was not a single record set. 2014, there was only one. 2013, one. 2012, one. You have to go back to 2011 before you even find an average amount of extreme weather records. So I think that what the left are trying to do, especially the Hillary Clinton campaign, is they're trying to stop people from daring to look at the basic data. So basically they label people who disagree or investigate, trying to determine if it's really true that we have dangerous human-caused climate change. They try to discourage them from even looking at the basic data. And I think that's one of the main reasons why they're so aggressive. Well, I mean, obviously that information is out there. It's available. You can find it with just a little bit of effort on your own. Uh, In fact, a lot of it you can find just by Googling, right? Yeah, and, and, you know, Trump is doing us an enormous service. I mean, we're nonpartisan, so we don't support him or Clinton, but we do comment on what they say. And what what Trump told Fox News on July 26 was perfect. He said that man-made climate change could have a minor impact, but nothing, nothing to what climate activists are talking about. And, and that's exactly right. I mean, obviously, humans have an impact on the environment, but that's not the question. The question is, is it worth a billion dollars a day which is what we're spending right now on climate finance across the world, is it worth that to try to stop whatever contribution we're making to climate change? And if you ask most scientists behind closed doors, is it going to get hotter or colder in the future? You know, not is it going to be 0.5 or 4 degrees. Is it going to even be hotter or colder? Most of them will say nowadays, because as I say, the science is advancing quickly, most of them will say, ask me in, in 20 years. They just don't know. And so then you have to get back to, well, you know, like we got real problems in the world, things that we do know are occurring. You know, one of them, for example, is the American military is is much weaker because of funding cutbacks and all sorts of things. And, of course, there is real pollution, groundwater pollution, things like that, that are not being addressed because so much money is going into climate change. So, you know, I think that when you look at the priority of things, would you rather work on something that might happen in the future, because nothing's going on now with respect to climate, or would you like to work on real problems today? And that's where even people on the left are starting to say, eh, a billion a day on something that might happen? That's pretty far-fetched. Right. Uh, And some of the other ideas of what they're trying to do, uh, have you seen anything proposed by the progressives uh, that are trying to address the problem 
that will actually have any more of an impact on it than what we're currently doing? Yeah, well, one of the things they want to do is pump carbon dioxide underground, okay, which is a ridiculous solution because if you think about it, it's quite difficult to take carbon dioxide out of the emissions from coal stations, let's say. You can take pollution out. You can take particulate matter out. Those are standard things that we can do to really clean up coal stations that don't already have pollution control devices. But the left want to remove carbon dioxide from the emissions. They then want to have a carbon dioxide pipeline to pipe it to some place where they can store it underground, under compression, as a liquid. Now, it's ridiculous because you're going to spend a lot of money and produce a lot of pollution building a carbon dioxide pipeline infrastructure. I mean, it's ridiculous. And, and then you want to stuff it underground in the hopes that someday it won't just come back to the atmosphere, which, of course, it will. I mean, you know, these um, plutons where they want to put nuclear waste, for example, they're worried that there may be uh, radioactive waste that could leak to the surface through groundwater. But carbon dioxide is a gas. Okay, it's going to come out a lot more easily. And if anybody knows anything about carbon dioxide, I mean, CO2 is not a pollutant, but it's heavier than air. And there are places in the world where there has been big emissions of carbon dioxide. There's a, a lake, for example, in the Cameroons in Africa, where they had a big carbon dioxide bubble that came out of the ground, out of the lake, actually, and it rolled down the country. It's heavier than air, but it's invisible, so you can't see it. And all of a sudden, animals and, and uh, people started falling dead because, of course, it displaces the air, and then there's no oxygen. And so, you know, I wouldn't want to live near a site where they're storing massive amounts of carbon dioxide underground because, of course, it, it could actually release and, and kill people quietly. There's a story about one fellow, for example, he saw people dying all around him in Africa as the CO2 bubble rolled down the, down the mountainside and you know through the valleys and everything else after it came out of the lake. And he jumped on his motorcycle. He didn't know what was going on. And happily, he actually rode in the right direction. He didn't ride towards the source. And he escaped. And yet you couldn't see anything that was going on. And yet the left want to do this. They want to capture carbon dioxide, which, of course, is plant food, and they want to stuff it underground. I mean, this is like the most ludicrous solution. In fact, even people on the left are starting to say, well, that's pretty stupid. Uh, and, and yet they're saying, oh, well, we're not going to close the coal stations. We're going to allow them to stay open as long as they store their CO2 underground. Well, that's a recipe for no coal stations because it's so expensive to gather up all the CO2, pipe it across the country, compress it, put it underground, that you're really going to get rid of your least expensive power source, all based on the climate scare. Right. I, it's, it's almost so ludicrous when you hear it said out loud that it sounds like a bad joke, but there are people that are serious about this. Yeah. Um, what what is your take on uh, uh, Obama's decision to sign in on the Paris Climate Agreement uh, despite uh, not going through uh, Congress and uh, the potential uh, repercussions from that? Well, you know, it's interesting. It really is a treaty. I mean, there's no question that the Paris Accord, uh, Paris Agreement is a treaty. But And if you look at your Constitution, Article 2, Section 2, Clause 2, it says point blank that it does not become effective. The U.S. has not ratified a treaty until two-thirds of the senators present in the chamber at the time uh, vote to ratify it. So Obama's saying, oh, it's not a treaty. It's not a treaty. It's, it's going to be politically binding, uh, in which case they can apply pressure for the EPA to continue with their clean power plan, and we're going to make commitments internationally. So, you know, the liberal media, of course, will point fingers and say, you promised, you promised, you know. But, I mean, he is simply 
pulling a trick. He's calling it an executive action, and then people are going to portray it as if it were a treaty, even though it isn't. Uh, oh, sorry, they're going to they're going to portray it as if it isn't a treaty, even though it really is. I said that backwards. Uh, and right. and as I say, it's just a trick to get around having the Senate reject it. And there's no question that they would reject it, because you know, back before the Kyoto Protocol was adopted in a lot of the world, it wasn't adopted in the U.S. The U.S. Senate voted to never ratify a treaty that would give the U.S. targets but would not give the developing world targets. And, of course, that's exactly what the Paris Agreement does. People think it applies to the whole world, but what they don't realize is there's an out clause for developing countries, exactly the same way as there was in the Kyoto Protocol. What it says is the first and overriding priority for developing countries is poverty alleviation and development, not climate change. So they can simply say, and in fact, in the Philippines, they've already done this. The president have said, this is stupid. We're not going to restrict our growth because of some silly agreement. He said, we're not going to do it. And he doesn't even have to feel guilty for saying that, because according to the UN's treaty, you know, the foundation treaty on which Paris is based, they don't actually have to do it if it interferes with their growth. And of course, it would interfere with your growth if you turn off your cheapest form of electricity. So that clause that's in the UN FCCC, it's called the Framework Convention on Climate Change, which is the underlying foundation of the Paris Agreement, it doesn't apply to the United States. So the United States, Canada, and the developing world are, will be held to their, um, their emission limits, even though the developing world won't. So, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. The Senate has said we will not ratify an agreement like that. They said that back in 1997, and that's why Obama's not submitting it to the Senate, and that's why he's pretending it's not really a treaty. That's <laughs> <laughs> not the uh, first time he's tried to pull that particular trick uh, as we think back. But, uh, uh, yeah, uh, so far Trump has actually been kind of vocal in regards to the, his desire would be to completely uh, withdraw from any type of uh, arrangements with the Paris Accords. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah he wants Hillary, to on the other money. hand. Yeah, he wants to stop shipping money to the U.N. for this purpose, yeah. yeah. Uh, Hillary, however, uh, I have not heard her come out specifically about it, but every indication uh, would be that she would support continuing this and maybe even uh, taking it up a notch or two. Uh, yeah. What makes the most sense for the United States between the two policies, looking at where the two candidates stand? Well, you know, it's initially I wasn't supporting what Trump was saying because he was too extreme. <clears throat> he was saying things like climate change is a hoax, you know, created by the Chinese and things like that. But, I mean, he's actually significantly modified his statement. I mean, he's now just saying, as I said earlier, it could have a minor impact, that is man-made climate change, but nothing like they're talking about. So, I mean, Trump has, has really kind of uh, settled on a very sensible position in which he's saying, look, we're going to have clean air, clean water, we're going to focus on real pollution reduction, developing our energy resources, but we're not going to worry about controlling the climate for the year 2080. You know, so I mean, Trump, I'm very pleased to see this. I mean, I'd love to see Clinton do the same thing. Uh, he's actually focusing on short-term real problems that we know that we cause, in contrast to the UN, which is, you know, focused on this ridiculous idea that humankind is the master controller of the climate a century in the future. You know, you know, uh, Tim, I'll just tell you one quick story, which I think should appeal to left-wingers, and certainly, you know, I'm left on quite a few issues myself. I was at the Copenhagen Climate Conference, and I was talking to the 
the second in charge of the Ethiopian delegation. He was the Minister of Agriculture for Ethiopia. And he didn't know what my position was on the climate issue, but he turned to me and he pointed to the TV screen that showed all the protesters outside. And he said, Tom, you know, those people are crazy. And I said, what do you mean? Don't you think we're causing dangerous climate change? He said, I don't know. I'm not a scientist, but I know that we need help now in all sorts of ways. And yet this conference is focused on trying to stop what might happen in half a century. My people can't get any help now. <laughs> and, and I got home and I thought, I wonder how true that is. I wonder how much of the money, the billion dollars a day, is actually going to you know, trying to stop climate change in the future and how much it is of it is going to try to help people adapt to natural climate change that, you know, happens all the time. I mean, you see increasing deserts, you see, you know, permafrost melting. That's a natural cycle that we go through and people need help adapting. And it turns out, Tim, this is unbelievable. In fact, even people on the left, when you say this, they say, what? That's crazy. It turns out that 94% of that billion dollars a day goes to trying to stop what might happen in future generations. Only 6%, about 120th, is going to help people today. Okay, so what they're effectively saying is the possible problems of people yet to be born is more important than people suffering right now. You know, so, I mean, it's true. It's completely ludicrous. And when I point this out on left-wing radio shows, they say, what? You know, that's crazy. That's like, you know, your, your daughter is bleeding to death on the ground. So instead of helping her, you pull out the university calendar and you say, I wonder what courses you're going to take next year. You know, like, no, you've got real problems right now. Like, you know, everything from terrorism to soaring energy prices to real pollution. I mean, yeah, let's focus on those. Let's stop the bleeding now. And what courses you take in the future or what climate's doing in 50 years, okay, yeah, we'll look at that sometime. But the way it is now, it's, it's backwards. It's completely backwards. They're focused on what might happen in the future. And today, they're, you know, well, so what? Let 5 million Africans a year die due to bad drinking water, you know, because they catch so many diseases from the water. You know, on one year's expenditure for Kyoto, they calculated it would be about a trillion dollars for the OECD countries. That's the price tag, one trillion dollars, to build wells to save almost all those five million Africans, wells that would last for 30 years. And yet they, they say they don't have the money, but they got the money to spend on climate. You know, the, So the whole thing has become ludicrous. You don't even really have to know the science. All you have to do is have some common sense. Right. Well, you know, the one thing that I have tried to express here on my show is that for the most part, your rank and file individual person who happens to lean towards the progressive uh, mindset, they're generally good people who either don't have all the information or who have been given uh, incomplete information, if not outright incorrect. And when it comes down to it, for most of these uh, issues, like uh, climate change, for example, if they were to find out the truth, most of us actually kind of fall, regardless of political affiliation, uh, on the same side of things. I haven't met a conservative yet that doesn't want to be a good steward of the earth. We just want to take advantage of natural resources that are available with yeah. doing the least amount of damage. Yeah. Well, the biggest problem here is that the media have decided that stopping climate change is their cause, and they're going to promote it no matter what. And, and you look at the last two years. They said 2014 was the hottest year on record. 
But nobody asked them, well, how much did it break the record by and how much is the uncertainty? And it turned out it broke the record by seven one-hundredths of a degree. And the uncertainty is twice as big. The uncertainty is 14 one-hundredths. So, I mean, it's kind of like saying, oh, you know, Hillary's going to win the election because she has a 1% lead until somebody points out, well, the margin of error, you know, is 5%. <laughs> so, I mean, this is, again, it's an example of the basic statistics. And yet it generated headlines all over the world. 2014, the hottest year, until 2015, which broke the record by 29 one-hundredths of a degree. Like, big deal. Like, so what? It's a totally hypochondriac. It's like measuring your body temperature to tenths of a degree and then running to your doctor and saying, oh my God, you know, I need medication. My body temperature went up four, one, four, four tenths of a degree. And, and, you know, that's why I think that the uh, Hillary camp and, and the Al Gore camp and Obama and all those, that's why they try to demonize the people like us. Because what we say is, look, look at the data yourself. Make up your own mind. Do you really worry about seven one-hundredths of a degree? I mean, come on, guys. Like, like in the course of a day, the temperature varies a you know, hundred times that. So, so um, you know, the, the thing gets, gets to be ridiculous after a while. But the trouble is the media will not cover. You know, most media, I send out articles. Uh, the most recent one I sent out, for example, to oh, about 60 newspapers in the U.S., I got published in a little one in Connecticut, and then today in the Williamston Daily News in West Virginia. And that's it. Okay, none of the big papers would touch it. It was perfect length. It was right on time. It was talking about how Governor Brown's statements out of California were completely ludicrous. I mean, he said, get this, he said that it's not going to be 110 degrees in Imperial Valley. It's going to be 130 or 135, and it's not going to go on for a day. It's going to go on for months. You say, what? A 25-degree rise? I mean, this is just out of science fiction. It's just so stupid. Um, and yet you point that out in most media just close their ears, you know, da-da-da-da-da, go away. Um, right. and, and that is the big problem, because most people are getting their news from these sources. Wow. Well, I mean, it's obvious Governor Brown is not a climate scientist. Uh, in, in fact, he's made it pretty clear he's not a scientist of any kind from some of his statements. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Does, does the left have a legitimate concern based on current energy price uh, policies, though, or is this still just a uh, grossly exaggerated uh, storyline to try and help promote their boogeyman? Well, you know, coal is by far the cheapest source if you don't tax it out of existence, if you don't put too many regulations on it. I mean, the price of the bus bar in general is about one-fifth the price of uh, solar and wind, and that doesn't even count the solar and wind impact. You know, they give them enormous subsidies. Uh, so, in fact, if you're going to the least form of electricity, and it depends where you live. I mean, some places you're living right on top of natural gas sources, so it makes sense to use natural gas. But a lot of the United States, you know, places like Oklahoma and Montana and uh, West Virginia and Kentucky, I mean, they're, they're sitting on top of the richest coal beds in the world. Like, the United States has more coal than than any other country. It's the Saudi Arabia of coal. And it's one of the main reasons why the U.S. has traditionally had much cheaper electricity prices than Europe. Um, and, and so, yeah, the, the electricity prices, you know, I'll give you a preview of what's coming to the U.S. In Ontario in 2002, where I live, in, in Ontario, we had um, the lowest electricity prices in Canada. We had a quarter of our electricity from coal. And, you know, we use pretty good pollution control. But the Liberal government decided that we were going to turn it all off. 
and we did. Officially, as of earlier this year, there is 0% coal in Ontario. And the um, electricity rates have gone up. And you won't believe this. You'll think it's a a misnomer. It's gone up 318% since 2002. Now, it's partly mismanagement. We have nuclear stations, and they did a terrible job of upgrading them. But regardless, the removal of your cheapest form of electricity is a disaster. And, you know, you'd think progressives would be really concerned about this because the people who are hurt the most are the poor, people on fixed incomes, seniors, people like that. You know, people that are wealthy, uh, who cares? I mean, they spend such a tiny fraction of their income on power. If they double or triple or quadruple the price, it really doesn't hurt them. And yet what's happening is Ontario has now followed England. England, the prices have gone through the roof, so much so that there's kind of a slogan among seniors. They can either eat or heat, you know, in the winter. And so a lot of them are turning their heat way down because they simply can't afford to keep their homes warm and have proper food. And, and you know, it's interesting because the previous prime minister, you know, who's now got stepped down because they lost the um, referendum on, on the exit from the EU, but he was quoted, and excuse the language, but this is what he said. He said, we have to get rid of this green crap. That's what he said. <clears throat> you know, so I, I think that eventually, after, you know, the U.S. economy is crippled sufficiently, even liberals will start saying that. <laughs> All right. Well, I uh, guess we're going to have to kind of start wrapping things up here. I uh, definitely want to thank you for being on with us today, sir. Uh, if folks wanted to... Uh, uh, follow your work or uh, maybe interact with you on social media, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, the best way is to go to our website. Uh, there, My contact coordinates are there, and uh, you can contact any of our scientists as well. It's climatescienceinternational.org. All right. And for those of you who will catch the show later on via podcast, I will have that link available in the show description. All right, uh, sir. Again, Mr. Harris, thank you very much for being with us today. I appreciate your time and your insight on the topic, and I hope we can talk again soon sometime. Yeah, that would be great, especially with the new UN uh, Climate Conference coming up in November. All right. Well, uh, hopefully we can get something scheduled uh, right about that time, and I would uh, very much like to speak with you about that. Okay. Well, thanks very much, Tim. All right. Well, thank you, sir, and uh, uh, have a great upcoming week. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, Mr. Uh, Tom Harris. Uh, like I had already mentioned, Mr. Harris is, of course, uh, the... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm 
being distracted here. <laughs> Apologies. Uh, he's the executive director of the International Climate Science Coalition. Uh, if you're tuning in late and missed the top of the show, uh, uh, Mr. Harris gave a full explanation of who they are, how they came to be, and what they do. And I do also have his Twitter handle uh, in the show description if you are so inclined. Uh, here in just a few moments, uh, we'll be uh, signing over to the next guest, uh, Mr. Uh, Jeff Cruer will be on next, uh, assuming, of course, that I don't have any issues getting in touch with him. Uh, last time, I, last Wednesday, actually, I had to guess that uh, suddenly became available. Dr. Uh, if you're interested in the conversation, and now this. Here at Tap Into the Truth, we are trying hard every day to help save our republic. And one of the best ways that we can do that is to make sure that Hillary Rodham Clinton does not become the next president of the United States. So, I'm asking you for your help. If you happen to be a person that has evidence that can both indict and convict Hillary Rodham Clinton, please contact me at 555-TAP-INTO-THE-TRUTH. Once we have the information, we'll verify it, we'll take it to the authorities, and then I will personally assist you in getting involved with the Witness Relocation Program. This program will help keep you safe from the forces of... What? What? I'm on the air. Yes, I know the Witness Relocation Program is run by the Department of Justice. Yes. Oh, yeah, the Department of Justice. If you're a person who has information that could lead to the indictment and conviction of Hillary Rodham Clinton, then run. Go now. There's no time. Leave your phone. They may already be on their way. I'll do everything I can on this end to try and help buy you more. We're sorry. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Are you a Democratic voter that supported Bernie Sanders in the primary? Are you still a little upset that the DNC cheated and kept your chosen candidate from having a realistic chance of winning? Maybe it's time that somebody taught the DNC a lesson. Maybe that someone should be you. Maybe you should consider voting for another candidate. No, not the Republican candidate. You're a Democrat. You would never do that. But did you know there are actually other people running for president? That's right. Maybe you should consider Gary Johnson. Sure, he says he's a libertarian, but if you listen to the things he says? And let's not forget Jill Stein. She's running for the Green Party. And let's face it, if you were supporting a socialist, why can't you support a socialist? In truth, someone must teach the DNC a lesson, and it might as well be you. Stand up, vote on principles, look at the other candidates, and most importantly, stick it to the DNC for not listening to you.
This message approved by the Tap into the Truth Project to stop Hillary. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have spent the last little bit trying to uh, get in touch with uh, my guest. However, the call is not connecting. I don't know if this is an issue here with uh, the BTR, which I would have no reason to believe that since that's what I used to speak with my first guest today. Uh, or if there's uh, just a connection issue uh, wherever Ms. Cruer, Mr. Cruer happens to be. This is, of course, very disappointing. Uh, we will uh, attempt to, uh, well, I will attempt to call a few more times, and then we will move on with the show if we're unable to get in touch. And hopefully, if for some reason we can't get him, I certainly would hope to be able to reschedule. Uh, it's very disappointing, though. Uh, sometimes these things do happen, scheduling conflicts. Sometimes it's... Uh, a matter of a cell phone tower. Who knows? But at any rate, uh, I will, like I said, continue to do that. And uh, if worse comes to worst, we'll break out some topics and we'll get started on the second half of the show a little bit earlier than planned. Uh, at any rate, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I definitely want to uh, thank you for joining me today. And I want to go ahead and give a special shout out to Mary, who's been in the chat room since Almost the very beginning. Uh, she had some great insight that uh, was difficult for me to throw in while I was uh, in the middle of the interview. Uh, however, she talked about how oceans spew CO2 into the atmosphere, and she asked, shouldn't we drain them? Uh, and, of course, uh, she also pointed out that they just want to tax us more. The fact that we need CO2, after primary food source for plants, and plants are the primary source of oxygen. So, yeah, there is a symbiotic relationship here. She also said that common sense is a foreign concept to many on the left, which to many, it pretty much is. Uh, she also uh, told me that uh, I was breaking up there for a little bit. So hopefully that uh, got taken care of. Uh, ta -ta 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 -ta. Uh, the real question now is, can you hear me now, Mary? Hopefully you can. Uh, we have been having these uh, unexpected issues on air. Uh, it's hmm, I'm loud and clear, according to Mary. So then the real question is, what's going on? Uh, so I'm going to attempt to uh, call Mr. Carrera one more time, and we will kind of go from there. Maybe there was a connection issue, and no, call failed or was not answered. All right, well, I'm going to move forward, assuming that uh, that means that I'm just not going to be able to talk with them today. And after the show, I will reach out and see if we can't get things rescheduled. For those of you who were looking forward uh, to the conversation, I have to tell you, so was I. Uh, Jeff Carrera is, of course, the author of his new book called America's Last Chance. And, uh, you know, he's been pretty outspoken about Donald Trump's trip to Mexico. He's been uh, talking a lot about Gary Johnson. And recently he's had quite a bit to say about the NFL and the uh, national anthem protest and how that's going to serve to be a bit of a black eye to the NFL and could cost them a lot more money than they realize. Uh, I had wanted to talk about a little bit of all of that. 
And unfortunately, it just doesn't look like it's going to happen today. So for those of you who were tuning in for that conversation, I apologize. But uh, we will certainly make every effort. Uh, Now, according to Mary, I'm kind of choppy and breaking up again. I think it must be a BTR thing. I placed a phone call, and they're supposed to be monitoring. Uh, I've had an issue the last few weeks. and Of course, you regular listeners probably already know this. Uh, If you listen regularly on one of the uh, websites uh, like Stitcher.com, TuneIn.com, over at iTunes, uh, places like that, then chances are uh, all you've heard is this odd little gap, and then it was cleared up. But what has actually transpired is for the last three shows or so, I've had this issue where suddenly my connection has just kind of teetered out. Everything's been greenlit on my side. I've even had uh, somebody take a look at all my equipment to look through, make sure that my connection here is fast enough, and which, of course, I knew that part was fine. It's That hasn't changed. And I made sure there's no uh, software conflicts with what I'm using and where the connection is. So everything seems to be on the BTR side of things. That being said, uh, been in contact with them, and they're supposed to be looking into it, and hopefully we'll get all this squared away. Now, I do have uh, Jeff Cruer's website, his uh, Facebook page, and his Twitter handle in the show description. And I'm going to leave it there, as well as the information uh, that uh, corresponds with his his appearance as scheduled here in the show description, so that uh, you don't necessarily have to wait till I talk to him if any of the topics that I mentioned are of interest to you. So feel free to check that out. Also, uh, climatescienceinternational.org, the website, uh, Mr. Tom Harris's uh, website where they do their work. Uh, that link is also in the show description, so you can uh, check that out. Uh, get to know other scientists that work there as well as Tom. Um, you know, I personally, I, I rather enjoyed Tom. He was very, uh, very forward you know and not evasive at all wasn't uh, at all concerned about possible repercussions for speaking truth uh, but tell me how crazy is it that some of the people that has worked with this organization simply because they want to make sure that the facts are available have received death threats i mean i i've gotten a death threat or two myself uh, just by doing the show uh, but it's always been by someone uh, a bit angrier than uh, climate change folks. Uh, <laughs> and usually they're just pretty upset about things I've said about Islam. You know, me and uh, my penchant for telling the truth about the philosophy for world domination that has very little to do with a actual religion. You know, that's me, and uh, I tend to get in trouble that way. But... Just because you're putting out information as a climate scientist to receive death threats to the point that you go away for a little while, you stop doing that work, and then the death threats stop. After a while, you come back, and all of a sudden, the death threats are back? Yeah, I don't get it. Uh, It's pretty scary. But then again... 
when you really think about it, we know, know, you guys know, if you're a regular listener to this show, we know that there are different categories of the so-called progressives. There is the rank-and-file average everyday person who just is – they have misinformation, wrong information, and their hearts are in the right place. But unfortunately for them, more often than not, they're used as what they term as a useful idiot because the higher-ups have a different agenda. Another type is someone who thinks they're further along. They think they see the whole plan And they play along because either because they're too smart or too influential to not be of value. They think that they're going to be embraced by the inner circles of the hierarchy. Of course, right about here is where I get accused of having a uh, tinfoil hat of my own. And that's fine. If, If you don't realize this is going on, you should look into it. Once you see what's actually happening, what's transpiring. When you see the people like George Soros, who are in that upper tier, who are playing with people's lives just because it's fun for them. Uh, George Soros himself has actually said in his own words that he's kind of like a god. And he believes that because he toys with people's lives and he thinks it's fun to destroy nations and economies. He's He's admitted to all this. This is in his own words, written in some of the books he himself has written or at least had ghost written on his behalf. All that information is out there, but most people don't look into it. <laughs> uh, Mary, of course, uh, she uh, she lines, uh, she uses foil. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that it's tinfoil. She just says foil. And, of course, obviously, she says it lasts longer. Uh, she lines her colander with foil. That would work. That would Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No Work. Yes, it certainly would last longer, I think, Mary. Uh, yeah, the bottom line is, though, there are people among the sheeple, for lack of a better term, that we can reach, that we can convince, that we can show them the facts and they can be swayed back to the side of common sense. Now, you may not be able to get them all the way back because uh, the whole concept, the ideology of becoming a tree hugger, <laughs> it's one that can't be broken completely once it's in there. But I think 
we had some very good points made uh, in the uh, interview at the top of the show in regards to what is and is not uh, viable and real science and what the side effects would be, you know, the repercussions of continuing misleading energy policies and uh, the overall destruction to an economy like that of the United States or even Canada, because, I mean, we talked about how it in fact had affected uh, electricity costs where he was at when the liberal government there said no more coal would be used. So, I mean, it, it affects people outside of the United States, too. And, of course, our neighbors to the north would be greatly affected by changes in these energy policies. And uh, the very fact that these global changes that they're fighting so drastically it really does seem more like a excuse to create more bureaucracy and an opportunity to steal more cash because all that money that's being spent for future programs, much like Mary pointed out in the chat room, really seems to be more like a way to line certain people's pockets more so than to save the earth or protect any level of humanity from any dire consequences thereof. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I... I know sometimes I come across kind of harsh when I get fired up about a topic, but I think most of the time I'm pretty even killed, and I try to be. Uh, even when I get a little heated, I try and keep it calm, and I try to be respectful, and I try to be mindful that some people simply just have a different opinion. That's allowed. But unfortunately, I know that there are some people like the George Soros's of the world that just want to hurt people. Those are the progressives that I'm concerned about, the people that the so-called progressives that really are interested in eugenics, uh, the people that really are interested in uh, a new world order, a single global government trying to dissolve borders and boundaries. And there's only one reason why you ever want to destroy borders and boundaries. And it's not about bringing people together. It's about making it easier for them to garner control and easier for them to manipulate the people within those areas that now no longer have these borders so as to either obtain their resources or their wealth if you're not just trying to Establish direct control over them. That's the primary purpose. That's the primary goal. And as far as I can tell, you've got the globalists, you've got the eugenicists, and that seems to be the two major groups, the power players that are at the top of the so-called progressive uh, agenda. Their purpose is nefarious. But they are real, and they are really trying to do this. So we have to be careful that we don't lump some well-meaning hipster in with the George Soros. They've thrown their lot in with them, but they don't realize what they've done. And they're listening to propaganda being put forth by the mainstream media so that they don't know any better. These people have to be reached and 
resorting to the same techniques that the left often use in debates simply isn't going to work. Because what happens is when they start losing on facts, they go for emotion and they get riled up and they try to get us riled up. They go to name calling and accusations of all kinds of ridiculous kinds. And what ultimately ends up happening is we get emotional and then we either just tune out and end it or we start doing the same things they're doing with the name calling and making it personal. And once you've done that, it doesn't matter what else you include with your information. Doesn't matter what kind of information you put out. They're not listening. Or you're not really listening anymore. Dangerous place to be. <laughs> uh, Mary, you're probably right, and uh, it wouldn't be the first time, and probably won't be the last time uh, that I do that. <laughs> There are a lot of people that can still be reached with the actual information, like some of the things we talked about at the top of the hour with my first guest. If they know how much of this money is being wasted, that raises uh, their attention. It's like, what? Some of these people are so moon bat crazy that they're willing to put all of humanity's needs to the side in order to protect Mother Earth. And there is absolutely zero room in their consciousness and zero room in their school of thought that allows for them to believe that, oh, yes, conservatives want to be good stewards, too. We do. We don't want the earth to explode before we're done living or before our children have had a chance to live, before our grandchildren have a chance to live. We don't want man to be responsible for a ridiculous level of climate change to one extreme or the other. But we are smart enough to know that when you look at the science, these Models that have been played out since the late 70s, early 80s, have been proven to be wrong. That information is there. It's available. Share it with all your friends. Mary points out that nature isn't all that delicate. And she's right. I mean, if nature was really so fragile, a simple thunderstorm would be a situation that nature could never recover from, let alone hurricanes, tornadoes, cyclones, volcanic eruptions. These are all part of the cycle that takes place here that, in essence, is part of recycling what exists here and turns it from something current to something that can be used again. And now I'm breaking up again, according to uh, my chat room friends. I hope that I can get this fixed. I don't understand what the uh, what the issue is, but uh, hopefully we can get that uh, fixed up. And in the meanwhile, continue. Uh, quick reminder: I do have somebody listening uh, via phone, and if you had any comments that you wanted to share, uh, please uh, recall to uh, raise your hand. Uh, do that by pushing one on your uh, phone pad if you want to be on air. Otherwise. Welcome to the show, and glad to have you listening. 
unfortunately, I, it's, it still comes down to just a few simple things. And that is, we tend to forget that we're dealing with people when we have these conversations. And it is real easy to just lump all these people together rather than try and actually take a look at, okay, who has an agenda? Who's just following? Who is honestly trying to change things? but maybe doesn't have all the information or the correct information, so on and so forth. That way you don't waste your time and who you try to reach out to. And then we have to have honest, open communication. We have to bring facts to the table. That's why I have people like Tom Harris come on. That's why I invite people uh, like uh, Jeff Cruer on. I, want to have these people who are experts in their field, who have genuine knowledge, who look at things from their perspective. And that's a perspective that's based on experience, information, knowledge. And sometimes there's going to be some partisanship that plays a part in that. But most of these people are professionals I mean, Tom Harris made a point of talking about how the International Climate Science Coalition has a nonpartisan approach. And that makes sense. If you're a scientist, there's no room for partisanship in discovering the truth about a scientific situation. It's, there's no room. I, Mother Nature doesn't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican, doesn't care if you're conservative, doesn't care if you're a neoconservative, it doesn't care if you're a progressive, it doesn't care if you just usually vote Democratic, but you're kind of in the middle. It doesn't care about any of that. Mother Nature is going to do what Mother Nature does. There are higher powers at play, and if you believe in uh, a biblical source of that power – then you can have full faith that God's plan will unfold as it should. If you believe in a level of spirituality that includes Gaia as Mother Earth and all that, then have faith that Gaia has the power to survive hurricanes and tornadoes and volcanoes and uh, freaking gigantic rocks from space smashing into now, the repercussions for those of us down here on Earth might not be so cool, <laughs> but the Earth will move on. I mean, climate change, as far as what's man-caused, naturally we need to be good uh, stewards of the planet, as good as we can be. But we also cannot let ourselves be easily manipulated by exaggerations or flat-out lies that are part of a propagandist uh, agenda. I talked just a few weeks back about how one of the top UN uh, climate change folks had admitted when she thought the uh, mic was dead that it really isn't about climate change anyway. It's about destroying capitalism. That admission was caught. And most of these attacks are things that will greatly detour capitalism, if followed. 
All right. Going to take a, another quick break, and then after that, we will pick up where we left off. I definitely wanted to open up the second half asking what I deem to be an important question, one that I would actually generally like answered. So if there are any um, typical Democratic voters that are listening live and would like to call in and answer the question for me, I'd promise I will be respectful and courteous and I won't delve into too many other things, but I I would have some questions to ask. I want to know primarily, is there anything that you could find out at this point about Hillary or what the DNC has done that would make you rethink supporting Hillary Clinton in the presidential election? That's the primary question. And we'll take a, a real quick break, and then after that break, we'll be right back, and we'll get into it. We'll talk a little bit about the latest uh, uh, leaks from the DNC provided to us by Guccifer 2.0. Stay with me. Do you believe that voting is your patriotic duty? What if I told you maybe it isn't? Would you believe me if I told you that sometimes not voting is more patriotic? Just as an example, let me propose to you this quick, easy self-quiz. Now, let's take the quiz. No cheating. You can Google the answers after. Question number one. Can you name the current Vice President of the United States? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ooh, that's a hard one. Question number two. Can you name one of your U.S. senators? That one's even harder. Can you name for me the three separate branches of the federal government and what each branch's role is supposed to be? You know, according to the Constitution. Can you tell me what the possible ramifications of poor monetary policy could be? Do you even honestly know what the phrase monetary policy means? Okay, now go to Google, check your answers. How did you do? Now, it's important to understand that even if you pass this test, that alone doesn't really mean that you should vote. But if you didn't pass this test, brother, you should stay home. 
Sometimes voting can be hard. You have to know who you're voting for and why. And you really, really shouldn't vote just because of what letter is at the end of their name. Besides, in the primaries, doesn't that get a little confusing anyway? Know who you're voting for and know why you're voting. And after you take the time to get to know the candidates and the issues, if you feel as disgusted as most Americans do, then maybe you should just stay home. If you don't know enough to cast an intelligent vote, maybe you shouldn't cast a vote at all. This is Tim Tapp reminding you that if you don't know what's going on, just stay home. This message brought to you by the Tap into the Truth Voter Apathy Project. And now, in some surprising breaking news. For months now, Hillary Clinton has been under pressure from her adversaries to release a list of accomplishments that would qualify her to be President of the United States. And now, in a surprise move, she has done exactly that. I take you there live. That does seem to be the complete list. This has been a Tap into the Truth campaign brief. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am back. Thanks for staying with me through the break. Uh, Having a little fun at the candidate's expense, and I hope you guys enjoy the humor. All right. Uh, Okay, here's the deal. I'm going to open up the phone lines if somebody would like to call in response uh, to my question, and this is for an independent voter who's supporting Hillary at this point that's going to vote Democrat, uh, for a traditional Democratic voter that's supporting Hillary, if you are listening, and you know, I admit the chances of somebody fitting that description listening to the show, not a high possibility, so I'm not going to be surprised if nobody calls, but if just by pure coincidence and accident you happen to be listening, and you would like to answer this question for me and answer why, whatever your answer is, I would like the question uh, to be out there. Is there anything, anything at all that you could learn about Hillary or the DNC that would make you rethink your vote? It would make you question whether or not you can continue to support Hillary Clinton, or maybe even whether you can continue to support the Democratic Party at all. That is the question. So if anybody would like to call, please feel free to give me a call. Uh, Area code 347-426-3550. That would be the best opportunity for you to call in. If you're on Skype and you're listening at the BTR site, you also can hit the little Skype button, and it should bring you in as well. Now, I ask that you keep it clean because I'm, I'm not going to be screening the calls. If you show up in the uh, on the switchboard and you raise your hand by pushing the little one button, as soon as I see you there, I will bring you on, and I would love to get your take. Now, if for some reason uh, you'd like to answer that, you feel like you 
fit that description, but you don't want to come on air and you are still listening live, you can hop into the chat room and you can tell me one or two things about it there. And I'll be happy to share any responses that come from the chat room as well. But uh, I mean, that's, I think it's a major question that everybody should be asking themselves right now because we continue to get more leaks. Uh, we have been promised. Julian Assange says that he still has some major things uh, upcoming that he's going to be releasing soon. But a uh, Guccifer 2.0 uh, leaked some more of the Democratic Party emails ranging from unsavory to potentially criminal. Uh, the DNC leak exposes a possible pay-to-play and insider training um, <clears throat> in what was yet another new wave of hacked Democratic National Committee emails. There has come crashing down on the Clinton campaign courtesy of WikiLeaks and the hacker Guccifer 2.0. Naturally, Guccifer uh, 1.0 is currently sitting in a uh, federal uh, jail cell. Uh, the new batch of emails appeared to contain damaging revelations, including documents that suggest Democrats openly engaged in pay-to-play bargains, awarding important diplomatic positions to high-rolling donors. You know, things like uh, ambassadorships, for example. Uh, included in these leaks is a spreadsheet that appears to list a number of donors, the amounts of money they raised, and the ambassadorships and other positions they hold or held and may have been awarded for their efforts. Uh, these include Matthew uh, Barzin, current ambassador to the United Kingdom, who raised over $3.5 million for the DNC. Frank Sanchez, former Undersecretary of Commerce, who paid over $3.4 million. And... Aline Chamberlain Donahue, oh, Donahoe, I'm sorry. I'm not sure if it's Donahue or Donahoe. It could be either. At any rate, uh, she happened to have uh, paid more than $2 million for an ambassadorship to the UN. Uh, one of these spreadsheets actually has better than 57 names associated on it. Some of them actually uh, do list official positions, and uh, all of them uh, have dollar amounts that were contributed and the dates that were involved. You can find a link to this story and others at the Tap into the Truth Facebook page if you're so inclined to take a look at it. Uh, you also can find it at uh, www.life. LifeZet.com, L-I-F-E-Z-E-T-T-E.com. And uh, then you'll just have to search DNC leak exposes possible pay-to-play insider trader scheme. So you can take a look at the entire list on this particular spreadsheet. Another DNC email leaked previously showed one staffer requesting a very brief call to go over our process for handling donations from donors who have given us pay-to-play letters. That's a quote. A staffer requesting, quote, a very brief call to go over our process. He actually says pay-to-play letters in the quote. 
Now, we now know that uh, process ends with a cushy job in blatant violation of the Pendleton Civil Service Reform Act. Not that uh, too many folks under the current administration, or even the previous one for that matter, seems to care a whole lot about what current law says. They have a tendency to think they're above the law for some reason. <sighs> Excuse me. Now, as if the thriving pay-to-play scheme weren't bad enough, the latest DNC leaks also include a file that suggests possible insider trading and security fraud, according to independent journalist Matt Fortney. A file called CNBC contains three files with information on various stocks and equities. There is also a listing there as well. One of the spreadsheets listed earning predictions, which according to a source quoted by Fortney, are unusually accurate. Quote, there is no way it's just uh, analysis, opinions for that earnings spreadsheet. Every friend he has on the street would kill to be as accurate as they, they being the DNC, almost always were. This is insider trading for sure. Now, this is according to the source that Fortney had. The information in the new batch of leaks goes from damaging to simply embarrassing. Uh, In one email, current DNC communications director Louis Miranda complains about the bad optics that occur when George Soros and the Democrats' union's allies don't come through with providing their normal rent-a-protest crowd. Going forward, when our allies screw up and don't deliver bodies in time, we either send all our interns out there or we stay away from it. We don't want to own a bad picture. Again, this is a quote. After the latest round of DNC leaks, it will be hard for the Democratic Party to own anything else. But is that true? Is there even enough people still paying attention that that matters? That's what brings me to asking the question, is there anything you could learn at this point? See, I don't know that there is. It's as if at least for the people that are supporting Hillary Clinton that none of that matters. They're told that it's not such a big deal, or they're told that it's being exaggerated. We're told time and time again that it's just, it doesn't matter. Even Hillary herself, when it comes to Benghazi, told us that at this point, what difference does it make? But you see, that doesn't jive with what I know about people. And I know people. I know a lot of people, actually. I'm sure most of you do, too. And it's not at all a surprise that when it comes right down to it, some of the people that I know are not at all interested in politics as usual. Some of them have been taught from a very early age that they're supporting Hillary before. None of this matters. The only people who seem to have been bothered by anything that has been linked to this point were the Bernie Sanders supporters when they got miffed that they found out 
that this, the whole nomination process was all but in the tape for Hillary from the beginning. That Bernie had virtually no chance of overcoming the head start that they just gave to Hillary via the superdelegates. Now, again, and if you're a Bernie Sanders supporter, if you're a Democratic uh, National Party supporter, that was a rule that's been in place since before this election cycle. So if you didn't like that rule, you should have addressed it then. Don't wait till you feel like sour grapes now. But even they have come back onto the reservation now for the most part. Some of them are supporting Nadir Johnson. Some of them are trying to, to get on board the Jill Stein train. And uh, let me encourage all of you who are considering that, please do. If you're a typical Democratic voter and you're looking for someone other than Hillary, look at Jill Stein, look at Gary Johnson. Those would be great alternatives for you to vote and make a vote based on the principles that you can get behind. Also has nothing at all to do with the fact that I will suggest anything that might help Hillary lose. Because when you see this, when you see the things that she's done over the years, or things she has taken credit for, but never done. <laughs> yeah, Hillary's different. Exactly. Mary's got it right there. When you see the things that Hillary's done, or the things that Hillary takes credit for that she hasn't done, there's a lot of reasons for you not want her to win an election. Even if you don't want, uh, if you're one of these hardcore, uh, I always vote Democrat folks, and you can't stand uh I'm not suggesting you vote for the Republican, although, in all honesty, and we pointed this out before, uh, Donald Trump has been very pro-democratic in the past. You could probably find a lot of things, if you look past the lies about racism, which is obvious lies. <laughs> Bad Tim. <laughs> okay, Gary, what did I do? <laughs> Um, now, if you look past the lies uh, of Donald being a racist, then maybe as a normal Democratic voter, you can find yourself with enough common ground to support. Uh, click for so breaking up that bad. And let's see if we can uh, clear this up. And now, in some surprising breaking news. For months now, Hillary Clinton has been under pressure from her adversaries to release a list of accomplishments that would qualify her to be President of the United States. And now, in a surprise move, she has done exactly that. I take you there live. That does seem to be the complete list. This has been a Tap into the Truth campaign brief. Tap into the Truth campaign brief. All right. Uh, according to Mary in the chat room, I'm still uh, fading in and out and getting choppy quite a bit. Uh, is it doing it during the clips too, or are the clips real clear? Uh, that's my next question. Uh, if those are things are coming in fine. I really don't understand. Uh, this might very well be a connection on my end, if that's the case. Uh, uh, last clip was... 
was iffy. Okay. Uh, hmm. Well, then it still may be a, a BTR side of things. So I will continue. I will do the best that I can based on what we're doing here. Uh, I mean, the weather is a little rainy here, but it's not. It must be Hillary interference. It may very well be. You know, it's been a while since the NSA has messed with me, so uh, it, it could be that, too. Uh, I've gotten to where I blame uh, BTR just about every time, but you know, sometimes I think uh, I think the NSA might be messing with me. They don't like this, and they are trying to protect Hillary. After all, the Department of Justice certainly is. Anyway, uh, let's get back to uh, let's just get back to the show. All right, and now and we've. Obviously, now I'm having difficulty uh, on my other computer. Maybe it really is somebody messing with me. Okay. So anyway, we're talking about these donations. Some donations, surprisingly enough, actually have been made by government agencies. Now, these government agencies have a budget, and these dollars actually come from the American taxpayers. That's correct. This is part of what has also been leaked through these emails when they were looking through all this. Some names really kind of left off the page. Now, a while back, a hacker known as Goosefer 2.0 had released some incriminating documents from the Democratic National Committee and the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. It caused such an uproar that Bernie Sanders enthusiasts dropped their own party and started turning to Trump. Well, I don't know how many of them actually turned to Trump, but... Uh, a little enthusiastic writing here by the person who wrote this article. Uh, Hillary's numbers started sinking and Democrats everywhere began to disagree and fight in public for the first time. And of course, the taking down of the most awful human alive, Debbie Washerman Schultz. I don't know if she's the most awful, but she might be a top 10 contender. Uh, there are so many folks so much worse than Debbie. Debbie is... Debbie's kind of a follower who had a carrot given to her more than anything. Um, now, I believe she believes everything, which makes her a little more dangerous. But at any rate, Gooseber 2.0 has now released more DNC documents uh, this past week, uh, which reveal more information about the corruption within the DNC. Included are memos from the Democratic uh, vice presidential nominee, Tim Kaine. Uh, DNC donor information, and DNC strategies. CNN reports that, quote, this batch does... All right, let's see if we are back now. Uh, timer's still going, yes. Guccifer's last thing heard. Can you hear me now, Mary? You're back. Okay. Woohoo! Finally. I don't know why this uh, keeps happening. Um, a little bit later in the show this time than it has previously. Uh, like I said, I've already had uh, BTR supposedly on the case, but I haven't heard back from them yet. 
Uh, anyway, uh, apologies, especially to the folks who were listening in as guests who have dropped off and uh, decided to look for something elsewhere. Again, the timing is, uh, you know, it's several minutes of just dead air, and that's disappointing. I was hoping to switch over and talk a little bit about uh, the bombings in New York and uh, the knife attack in Minneapolis and uh, kind of discuss that at about this point, but I really need to finish up with this previous topic. And remember, the question is still a valid one. Is there anything that you can learn as a Democratic voter to learn about Hillary or the DNC that would make you change your mind about voting for Hillary? That is the question. Now, uh, we were talking uh, earlier about some of the things that had transpired, but guess what? According to these leaked emails, we found out that not only did the Guccifer 2.0 WikiLeaks new round of Democratic emails that have been uh, released uh, contain the names of individuals who had pay-to-play involved, but there is also uh, donations and contributions that have come from uh, such wonderful quasi-government entities as the United States Post Office. Yes, that's right. The one in the same United States Post Office that claims year after year that they are, in fact, bankrupt, and they proceed to beg Congress for more and more taxpayer dollars so that they can stay afloat. Uh, Another rather offensive donor uh, on the list, the Department of the Treasury. Now, yeah, sure, CNN's uh, move along, there's nothing to see here approach to this report uh, makes sense for CNN because they are part of the propaganda machine and they are no longer honest journalists. That's not to say that there might not be one or two journalists working there, just that they don't get to stay around very long, especially if they challenge the higher-ups. This is part of the question. I mean, this information is out there now. It, it is available for you to find, for you to see. It's it's there how is it that we end up with all of this information and that there are still people who are going to stand up and proclaim that Hillary Clinton is the best candidate to be president of the United States? And uh, thank you, Mary. Mary has uh, shared a link in the chat room. Uh, Newsmax's coverage of the Guccifer's Democrats pay-to-play operation. Um, but I mean, CNN in a report talking about this round of leaked emails said, quote, this batch doesn't appear to have any damaging emails regarding the DNC. So breaking the law via pay-to-play and breaking the law via receiving taxpayer-funded dollars from organizations that rely heavily on the taxpayers just for their existence. I mean, the Department of the freaking Treasury, for crying out loud. So my question is, if you are a typical Democratic voter, what would it take to get you to change your mind at this point? Is there a point that you would change your mind, or is there just no way? It doesn't matter what I find out about them. I'm going to continue to support Hillary Clinton. I'm going to continue to support the DNC. Because here's the part that 
bothers me. I know a lot of people that typically vote Democrat. They're just not that politically involved. They don't understand how it affects their lives on a daily basis. They just trust what they've been told by their parents or their grandparents, and they continue to vote right along the way they were always brought up to do. And it leaves me with this overwhelming question of what would it take to change your mind? What does it take to get through? How much information about how badly the DNC is treating you, their supporter, does it take before you're going to say, hey, wait a minute. Maybe I shouldn't donate to this party anymore. Maybe I shouldn't vote for this party's candidates anymore. At least long enough for them to realize that we're on to them and for them to clean up their act. Because, you know, the Democrats weren't always – and, yeah, okay, I, I need to backtrack. The National Committee wasn't always a group of America-hating radicals. Now, at the national level, that's what a lot of these people are now. But there are good, salt-of-the-earth American citizens that stand in line to vote for these people because they bought into propaganda that's been circulated since the 30s. We're the party of the people. We want to take care of you. We're fighting for the little guy. When apparently the only thing they're fighting over is who's going to get the biggest chunk of the cash that's upcoming. Who's going to get the, the best job? Who's going to get the cushiest job? Who's going to get to retire much earlier, even though we'll get the claim that we're broke because there's accounting tricks that we can use to pretend like we really are broke. A few million dollars in the bank, but we're broke. Well, that's okay. They're gaming the system. And it's a lot easier to game said system when you're controlling the system and changing it from within. So I, I continue to ask the question. CNN, no surprise that they wanted to overlook the fact that this information was there. In fact, in some cases, when this has been pointed out directly on CNN, uh, the response is, well, that's not really what happened. And it's not much different than uh, the Hillary campaign and now uh, attacking Trump over this birther issue. Well, Trump pointed out that the birther issue came out of the Hillary campaign initially, and it did. But because they never ran with it or used it as a major campaigning point, they now deny that that was them at all. They point out that the one operative that had worked for the campaign that did mention it in an actual memo that has to be for the record got fired. Well, I'm guessing that they probably, and granted, okay, this is me doing some uh, stepping out on the limb a little bit. I don't have evidence of this, but I'm guessing she got fired because she messed up and used the wrong form of communication. Who knows among the multiple emails that were destroyed how much communication still went through back channels in regards to whether or not they thought the whole birther issue would hold up. Now, 
I get a little miffed whenever I hear anybody on either side of the political. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Spectrum. Act as if the birther issue isn't an important issue. Because the bottom line is there's no real evidence. And here's where my tinfoil hat comes into play again. But <laughs> there's no real evidence that has been provided to prove that, in fact, Barack Hussein Obama was, in fact, born in Hawaii. I say that because the birth certificate that was offered up was, in fact, a fraud. It was easily proved as a fraud. Does that mean that he wasn't born there? No, it means that he likes the fact that this controversy is going on and is hiding something else completely. But until you have a genuine answer, we should pursue that information because it does matter. Hillary Clinton, of course, says, well, uh, Mary makes a great point towards uh, constitutionality to hold the, hold the office in regards to uh, natural born citizenship. However, uh, under federal law, they changed it to just being born within the states is enough to qualify you. Uh, but uh, natural born previously, not so much. You had to have been a citizen or at least on a path to citizenship. Your father needed to be in order for you to be a natural born citizen of the United States. So uh, Mary makes a great point there. Uh, obviously, uh, Barack Obama's father on the birth certificate. And of course, there's even conspiracy theories about uh, it Marshall Frank, Frank Marshall, whatever, uh, blah, blah, blah and so on and so forth. Uh, then illegals born here can run. Yeah, that's the idea, uh, Mary. If you're born here, you're not illegal. You are a legal citizen. Uh, now, it shouldn't be that way. Uh, you should, if you're born here, you should not have automatic birthright citizenship. There should be, again, your parents should at least be on a legal path to citizenship in order for you to automatically obtain citizenship. And it should still be contingent on your parents uh, completing said path to citizenship. In other words, okay, we'll treat you as a citizen now. If your parents, for some reason, do not become citizens, then we revoke it, and that's the end of that. I think that's common sense. It makes sense. Of course, it's just not very PC, and it certainly doesn't sound very caring. This isn't about caring, folks. This is about protecting the sovereign nation. The birther issue still continues to be a significant one, mostly because if Barack Hussein Aluakbar Obama was never legally 
qualified to hold the office, then nothing he has done since being in office has the authority of having been signed into law. Nothing. And no, nothing would have to be repealed either. It's just automatically invalid. Because if he wasn't the president, because he wasn't eligible to be the president, then he never had the authority to sign anything into law. So everything just gets undone with one fatal swoop. Zero executive orders, so none of that has to be uh, executive ordered away by the next president. No laws became law. So then nothing gets treated as law. I, I have heard a lot of people argue, well, right now it's too late to do anything about it. We shouldn't pursue that because it would just make a big mess. Actually, there wouldn't be much of a mess unless you were dead set on trying to force everything that he signed into law as to being back into law because then it has to go through Congress again. Or whoever becomes president has to consider whatever he signed at the time. Uh, it may actually be as simple as that, but whoever the next president is, it certainly doesn't automatically become Joe Biden if Obama is removed before the inauguration of the next president because he was part of the fraud. I think point of fact uh, that it would have to be the Speaker of the House who would take over. and Not that I feel a whole lot better about uh, Paul, but at least Mr. Ryan would be cautious about just signing anything into law that Obama has seen. But, you know, that's not just my opinion either. I've talked to several constitutional uh, attorneys, and with the exception of just one of the – trying to remember exactly how many now. I, it's somewhere between 12 and 15. I'm thinking 12, but there may be one or two I'm not thinking of right now. Uh, Several of them uh, in conversations while trying to get them to come on the show. We talked about the issue. Um, several of them wouldn't come on, though, because they were afraid of uh, legal repercussions, being blackballed, so on and so forth. I uh, have had one constitutional attorney who has come on, and he has uh, – we've actually talked about Convention of the States more than uh, the Obama question. But uh, in private conversations, again, uh, he agreed. And I've had just one to disagree with the fact that that is a 100% accurate statement. So I don't just pull this out of my butt here. I'm telling you what very learned individuals have had to say in agreement with uh, my point. And that is if Barack Obama was never qualified to hold the office, if he never met the qualifications – then he was never actually the president. Therefore, he never had the authority to sign anything into law, that it was all a fraud. And while elections have consequences, being the victim of a fraud should not be one if he was never constitutionally eligible to hold the office. Uh, Mary makes the point about Barack Obama's father not being a citizen of the United States under the terms of natural-born he would need to be. A lot of people like to whitewash what natural born actually means in the Constitution. It's also why Ted Cruz was not actually eligible to be president. And, you know, again, I've heard Mark Levin and several other really smart guys who know a lot about this stuff, uh, people that I respect, 
say to the contrary, but I have read it for myself and I have done the research myself and I know the law changed, but you can't pass a law to redefine what a word in the Constitution means. That's not legal. So it doesn't hold up. You want to grasp onto that law and say, okay, well, this is what makes it okay. Doesn't. It doesn't make it okay. So again, one last time, uh, going once, going twice. Anybody wants to have their say, if you are a, if you're an independent who normally votes Democrat, or if you're an independent who doesn't normally vote one way or the other, but you're supporting Hillary, uh, if you're a Democratic voter and you're supporting Hillary, you know, if you don't get on live, if you catch this show in the archives, if you're listening to the podcast later, whether you're at iTunes or Stitcher or podcast.com or tunein.com or uh, Blueberry or uh, Roku or wherever you catch the show, message me. Uh, hop to the Tap into the Truth Facebook page and send me an email at ttap. That's T-T-A-P-P at T-A-P-P into the truth.com and give me a response. If I get a good response, I will share it in an upcoming show. I really want to know, is there anything that you could learn at this point? If you find out tomorrow that Hillary Clinton eats small babies uh, for breakfast, would that be enough to change your mind about support? I mean, what would it take at this point? The fact that she's a criminal doesn't seem to bother you. The fact that she is either criminally incompetent or just severely, severely mentally incompetent while she was at uh, state, while she was secretary of state. If none of that bothers you to the point that you still think that she would be the better choice for the president of the United States, tell me why. Tell me, is there anything that would change your mind? I mean, I, I don't understand how anyone at this point still supports this lady. So tell me, explain it to me, and, and do it in a way that's respectful, because I'm respectfully asking. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get a picture into your mind. I'm not asking you. Just what you think, but I'm asking you why you think it. What What is this? I mean, is it just that you're so against Donald Trump? Because I, I don't buy into that. I think it wouldn't have mattered if it was Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, uh, Rick Perry. I don't know that it would have mattered that it was even Jesus Christ who was running. Uh, Hillary supporters are Hillary supporters, and they don't seem to be going anywhere else with that. So tell me, is there anything that you could possibly learn? That's It's an open question, and I would love for somebody to answer it. <laughs> of course, Mary says that's an, an easy one. They're, they're just nuts. Uh, and, you know, maybe, maybe that's part of it, but I don't think they think that, Mary. And that, that's what I'm really trying to ascertain. Is there some logical reason why somebody would continue to support the, the Democratic National Committee, period? I know there are a lot of decent folks that run as Democrats at the local level, at the lower offices. 
but everybody that I see that's involved with running the DNC are are a huge cross section of the we hate America folks. I don't understand how they got to be in charge of the party. I mean, other than this, the fact that it's been infiltration by the so-called progressives. We're getting more and more of that over at the RNC side of things, too. But they've been very effective at the DNC. And they promote agendas that just don't mesh with the Democrat people that I know personally. You know, they just – it doesn't mesh. So I'm trying to figure out, too, where this disconnect is coming from. Where where does this level where you're supporting these people and is it just that you don't know what their agenda is? Is it that you're buying into the spin? Are you not seeing the backside? Are you just wanting to believe the best in them because of what they're promising? And it doesn't matter so much that they never deliver it. I I just I'm trying to figure this out because I know the the upper echelon folks, the, the people like George Soros. I know why they're in it, and I know there's nothing that will change their mind because these are the folks that are doing their bidding. They're the folks that are carrying out the agenda. They're doing the dirty work that they want done. I understand why George Soros is a so-called progressive. I. I understand why Barack Hussein al-Akbar Obama is a so-called progressive, why Michelle Obama, why Hillary Rodham Clinton. I understand why they are so-called progressives. What I don't understand is where the average American that tends to vote Democrat, the, the people that actually are among the groups that are hurt the most by the policies while they're being promised a better day. The folks that should have been smart enough to see that things were better under Reagan than they were under Bill. Things weren't that bad under Bill, but only because a certain Speaker of the House, Newt, held his feet to the fire and wasn't afraid of any bad press that came along from shutting down the government, shut it down 16, 18 times in order to bring Bill to the table and compromise rather than just push a wildly crazy progressive agenda. People that are smart enough that they should know based on what they've seen that the Democratic Party has never done anything but made the problems that they claim to be fighting against. There's been no improvement. The war on poverty has been a complete and total failure. Almost as successful as the war on drugs, which was on the other side. But these extra wars we tend to fight on ideas like this, they very rarely turn out well. So anyway, if... If you're so inclined, please explain to me, is there something that you could find out about Hillary or the DNC that would make you, at least for a few minutes, question your support for them? All right, uh, not a whole lot of time left. It's probably best anyway, because at this point, there's still... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. A lot of stuff we don't know. But I did want to touch on the fact that uh, there were some uh, folks that had been impacted over the course of this weekend. Uh, there was a knife attack at a mall in St. Cloud, Minnesota. This guy wore a security uh, uniform. And evidently, he made several references to Allah, and he asked at least one of his victims if they were Muslim before he assaulted them. A media outlet here in the States that is associated with ISIS has at least acknowledged that this gentleman was a soldier for the Islamic State. Answering the call to attack infidels in their home. So this was obviously an act of terrorism, and there is an international terrorism link to it, but it's also a lone wolf. So this kind of punches you right in the face if you're one of those people that says the whole lone wolf thing has nothing to do with international terrorism. It doesn't matter if you were just inspired by ISIS or if you were in direct communication with Hamas or if you had visits from people from ISIS in your backyard barbecue over Labor Day. It doesn't matter what the connection is. That's still an act of international terrorism because you were inspired by a group of people outside of the country. This is Islamic terrorism, something that mainstream media and something our politicians are going to kick and scream and shout to do anything to avoid saying that phrase together. But it's pretty clear that's what it is. It probably will not be the last thing. Now, the last I heard before I came on the air, they still had not acknowledged what the perpetrator's name is. We will probably find that out relatively soon. Then there was also the bombs in New York and in New Jersey, a pipe bomb in Jersey, a pressure cooker bomb in New York, and they found unexploded devices close by. Uh, The area in uh, New Jersey, there was supposed to be a charity race being run by United States Marines. And had the race started when it was scheduled, it would have went off while there were a lot of people there. Fortunately, the race was delayed. So nobody was there when it went off. So nobody was hurt there. Pressure cooker bomb in the Chelsea area of New York injured 29 people. Uh, This morning, uh, before noon, they were announcing that uh, the last of those people had been released from the hospital. So shrapnel, most of it minor, stuff. 
De Bellagio and Como, of course, were quick to point out that we really don't know enough about this right now to to say if it was uh, international terrorism. We don't know what the motives were, but it was intentional. So obviously, and here's where Como stepped up that de Blasio did not initially, uh, this was obviously terrorism. It was meant to terrorize people. At this point, I don't think it matters much if it's international or if you can prove that it's international. The fact is that this happened. And the first thing that came to my mind, and I've heard several uh, folks who do analysis discussing this on the news, uh, but the first thing that came to my mind was the fact that it sounded like a probing attack where they were trying to see what the response times were, how they would react in that area. Uh, they're just a few blocks away from the UN. I don't know that the UN is actually a target. I think that might be a misdirection. I would be looking for similar areas, but probably not necessarily in that same area. This is just me. Naturally, we have to do what makes the most sense for everyone. So all of New York should be on a heightened alert, and I don't think it should be constrained to just New York. I mean, remember, we were just talking about a knife attack in Minneapolis just a few moments ago. We just need to be vigilant. We need to keep an eye open, and we need to understand that Thanks to the policies of this administration, we are probably at more risk than we have ever been of facing terrorism on Main Street, USA, no matter where you are. And that's not me trying to promote fear. That's not me happy or gleeful about it. That is me facing the sad reality and hoping that you also will realize it is, in fact, the reality, and it's one that Electing the next president, no matter who you pick, isn't going to fix this problem. The damage has been done under this administration. Uh, if no other way, just all of these refugees that have been welcomed with open arms, even though they knew they couldn't vet them. Forcibly put in communities throughout the country. It was a dangerous policy from the beginning. One that you would almost have to think that the smartest people in the room would know the inherent dangers. So then you question, why would they put political correctness over the safety of American citizens? Option A, they are so married to the ideology that they have no choice. Or number two, their intention is to aid the invasion. I don't see a third option. Now, here, of course, is where I get accused of sounding militant, and I'm putting on my tinfoil hat yet again. So, so be it. These are dangerous times, and we have to question the motives of the politicians that refuse to face reality and protect the American citizens first and foremost. We have to. If you're not questioning that, then just go back to sleep and let the big boys and girls uh, take care of the business of running the country. You don't have a voice if you're not smart enough to realize the questions you should be asking, it's just that simple. All right. That's going to have to be it for today. I would. My guest, 
starting with Mr. Tom Harris, I'd also like to thank Jeff Carrera, even though he wasn't with us today. I'm sure we will get him on again in the future. Uh, thanks, Mary, for being in the chat room. Always appreciate it. I want to thank the guests for listening in, especially those of you who stayed with me through my dead air uh, technical glitch again. Hopefully uh, me and BTR can get together and get this fixed in the upcoming week. Uh, quick reminder, also Wednesday, I will be back on the air. Uh, Matt Fitzgibbons and Michael Darty are my two scheduled guests. We'll start at 8 o'clock, and we will have uh, Matt right at the top of the hour, right at the top of the show. And remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Take a little. Be prepared to put in a little bit of effort because you are
Thank you.